Father God, thank you so much. So much for your presence. Lord, fill these seats. Thank you for bringing all those who are here today to safety, God. Some traveled from a long way, some who haven't been here in quite some time. Lord, we thank you for them. Lord, I ask that this is the anthem for today, God. Your love, your presence, your grace, your mercy. Lord, we thank you. I ask that you stand before me, God, because I got to be honest, I am, I am not ready, but I am here. And that showed up. So Lord, we just thank you so much, Father. We ask that whoever is here, whoever is watching on live stream, God, that they will get a blessing. They will get a blessing of healing. They will get a blessing of healing, God. Because some people do not know you. And that's okay. Because today, seeds will be planted, God. And we thank you so much for who you are today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Huge thank you to the worship team. Always. They put so much time and effort into their planning and prepping. Thank you. Um, but as Reza said before, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that we often don't see. For example, uh, we have an amazing just entire production. We do, we really do, really do. And we have to remember that this church is, is surviving and thriving because of God, yes, but also because there are so many here who are showing up and pitching in and committing. Um, we have Tom, who's done a phenomenal job with the, with the audio. Absolutely. Tom. <laughs> We've got Alex, who's here, uh, who's also the treasurer, um, but he also does the, the slides and transitions, too, at the same time. Um, and we have Matt, who is, who is in the back. We have Matt. Um, and I just want to say thank you to Matt, because uh, for giving all of us an opportunity to, to have a voice and uh, to be up here today to be able to deliver a word to each and every one of you. And I am not exempt from that word. Uh, <laughs> I thought that if I could make it through the first five minutes without crying, I'd be good, but uh, that introduction from Riza really melted my heart, and I barely made it up here. <laughs> so thank you, Riza, and we appreciate you. Um, but Matt, you are uh, a fisher of men and women. You have gathered a lot of people from a lot of different directions. You brought us all together, and you've given us so many more opportunities than we even imagined and you believed and, and you hoped in us and we, and we thank you. Um, today is a very special day because we have three new members that we have not given an official welcome to. We have Dawson and Sheldon. Yes, you already know who you are if you made that noise. <laughs> um, Dawson and Sheldon, they are, they are life. They, they are just so vibrant and, and, and energetic and we love them and they they look like they just walked out of a Vogue shoot, and, and, uh, and, and we love them. Um, and James, James is also, he has been worshiping with us for quite some time, uh, but he, he, has, he has stepped up to the plate and he has been alongside me um, in the production uh, area. And I just wanted to give everyone uh, 
thanks that you guys really do deserve. Um, as Riza said, tomorrow is Mother's Day. Um, and I know that there are quite a few mothers. Raise your hands if, if you are a mom. Please raise your hand. Awesome. Again, on behalf of TAF, we thank you. Uh, we really do thank you for your sacrifices, for your hard work, for all the things that you have given to this church, given to your children, the nurturing, the discipline, um, even the things that we don't know that you've done. We, we thank you. We really do. You ready, guys, to, to dive in? Okay. Um, this is hard. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I am literally thinking about my mom right now who is not here with us. Um, so just keep me in prayers as we, as we go through this together. So I am Jason Hampton, in case you did not know. I am the production director here at, at TAF, and I've, I've been doing this for about two years, and I think this is like my third year, and uh, it's, it's really been a, a big blessing um, to be a part of this, this church. And it's not really a church, it's, it's a family, and that's what I really, really love about this. And um, we've given a lot of opportunities to, to different faces and, and giving a platform to a lot of people uh, to share their testimonies um, up front. And, and if you're new and we've ever done one, uh, I hope that you're here next time because it's, it, it gives us an insight on, on what a lot of people have, have been through. And I think that is really needed in the church today. I think we really get accustomed to just coming in and listening to the worship music and the sermon, and then we either leave because of COVID or before COVID, we would just eat and, and go about our way. But this brings us a little bit more closer with this new ministry that we've, we've brought together. Um, how many of you have ever heard of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? <laughs> Amazing, okay. So if you do not know who the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is, uh, it stars Will Smith. If you don't know the show, then you might know Will Smith because he is one of the best actors of our generation. Um, and this show takes place in the early 90s for about six years straight. It was the epitome of 90s culture TV. And if you know a little bit about Will, uh, he is extremely talented. Uh, he plays a quick-witted uh, teenage young man, very street smart, born and raised in West Philadelphia. And he gets into some trouble with uh, some people in his neighborhood at a local basketball court. And so it's hard to actually explain it because if you know the song, the song is just automatic. If you go to like Wet n Wild or Emerald Point, they will literally play that song. Um, and it's just really hard to say this without having the song playing in my head and, and messing up. So I'm ecstatic that I got through that. Um, so I'm going to play a clip here in just a second. But this particular scene that I'm about to play is... It is one of the most emotional and iconic scenes, if you're not already familiar with it. Um, so a little backstory about this particular scene. So Will is at his local uh, Los Angeles University um, restaurant where he works. And so now uh, he sees someone in the crowd, and it happens to be his father, who he has not seen in about 14 years or more. Um, this is hard because I know a lot of people already can relate uh, to this episode, and I know I can. So when they start to connect, we're going to fast forward to 
to the Bel Air mansion, and you'll see Uncle Phil, who plays the father figure uh, in this in this series. And so he is a father to his kids, obviously, but he's he's Uncle Phil to Will. And when he is uh, also connecting back with Will's dad, whose name is Lou, he he expresses his uttermost disdain for Will being here, Will's dad being back. So imagine that, and you're now the sole custody of, of this young man, and his father has returned in over 14 plus years. You're gonna feel some type of way. You're gonna feel a bit protect, productive, or protective, excuse me, and unsure. And so he's telling his dad, look, what are you doing here? You've, you've abandoned Will, you've abandoned his mother. Why, why now? Why are you back now? And Will's dad basically wants to take Will on a summer trip. And so Will is upstairs packing his bags, completely hyped, ready to go, very excited. I know I would be. And then after this conversation, this is where the uh, scene takes place. Let's roll the clip. Daddy out. What's up? Will, damn it, I'm glad you're here. Um, some business came up I gotta handle. So we're gonna have to put our, our trip on hold. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's cool, that's cool. Just, just for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little longer. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Look, I'll, I'll call you next week and we'll iron out the details, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, yeah. It was great seeing you, son. You too, Lou. Yeah. Yeah, um... I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> you know what, actually, this works out better for me. You know, the Slimmies of Summer come to class wearing next to nothing, you know what I'm Will, saying? Will, it's all right to be angry. Hey, why should I be mad? I'm saying at least he said goodbye this time. I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. I'm sorry. I, you know, if there was something that I hey, could Hey, you do. know what? You ain't got to do no, nothing, Uncle Phil. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old, you know? Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night asking my mom, when's daddy coming home, you know? Who needs him? Hey, he wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty good at it too, didn't I, yeah, Uncle Phil? Got through my first date without him, right? Mm. I learned how to drive, I learned how to shave, I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. He never even sent me a card. with him! I need him then and I don't need him now. Will. Nah, you know what, Uncle Phil? I'm gonna get through college without him. I'm going to get a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm having me a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as don't need him for that, because ain't a thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. How come he don't want me, man? I'm not gonna make it through this thing. <laughs> um, 
I'm 34, and that clip still hits hard every time I watch it. Um, who here has ever lost someone? Just a show of hands if you want. And it could be through death. I know, I know some people have lost some loved ones because of COVID. Um, but it could also be the, the absence of a mother or a father who you wished was there, um, and they weren't. And it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and if you're not careful, it can make you hard. It can make you hard mentally. Uh, it can make you hard emotionally. Um, and, and people say, it, it always gets better. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, it doesn't get easy. I think we learn to cope without their absence, and we do our very best to, uh, to move forward in life. But we have their, their memory of them in our hearts. And uh, the loss of the loved one or the absence or the lack of um, is, is pretty prominent in our society today. And if you've ever thought about how certain people act and, and, and what's going on currently in our world right now, we have a lot of hate and indifference. Um, people are being, still being attacked because of the color of their skin. Um, and this is important because a lot of these people have origins just like you and I. And sometimes people grow without love and they become extremely cold and distant, and this is what the outcome is. And this is a cycle, and this is a cycle that needs to stop. And this is so important because God's love is never ending, and his love needs to be spread throughout the world. Um, and I think we need to do more of that. Don't you agree? Um, and if you get down to the nitty-gritty, there are cycles. What starts out small and becomes repetitive becomes a lifestyle, and that lifestyle becomes just a repetitive habit, and they become cycles. And those cycles end up defining everything that we say, everything that we do, everything from, from how we think and how we feel. Um, and, that's, and that's unfortunate. When my parents got divorced, I was seven, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And I was in the living room with my dad, and my mom was in the kitchen, and I just wanted some cereal, guys. I just wanted some cereal, nothing big, you know, like some, just give me some milk, give me some Cheerios. I poured on my own, sprinkled some cinnamon on. I like cinnamon, I like bananas, you know, got the whole deal. And... Of course, I go to my dad's like, Dad, can I just, can I just make some cereal really quick? He's like, oh, just give me a sec. I'm, I'm finishing this newspaper article real quick. I'm like, I'm hungry. I can't wait. I want to see what mom's doing. So I go in the kitchen and I ask her the same thing. She's like, give me a sec. I'm just I'm making dinner. So here I am, just waiting. And they both meet in the kitchen, both doing what I had asked. Next thing I know, a huge argument breaks out and I have no idea what's going on I've never 
heard them argue before, kind of freaked out, but hey, you know, I'm in New York, Queens, people do that all the time. That's what people say anyway. Um, and my, my mom kind of breaks away and my dad goes upstairs. And so I give him about a minute until I go up after him. And so I'm kind of walking into the door and, and I'm, I'm by the door frame and, and there he is uh, on the ground putting his clothes in a suitcase. And so I'm walking towards him and I'm, I'm standing in front of him and uh, he's just putting clothes from the closets and all that into a bag, not folding it, just putting it in. And he's looking up at me with tears coming down his face through his glasses. Now, the one thing about uh, <laughs> like traumatic experiences, and you don't know it's traumatic until you get older, um, you tend to push those memories down. And I mean like down, down. So far down that you actually forgot that it actually happened. And then years later, something jogs your memory and then you remember. And then a whole can of worms comes out. Um, and that's, that's really unfortunate. So I'm thinking, okay, next day I'm at school and I'm thinking on the ride home that I oh, just had a simple argument and dad was putting clothes in. I have no idea what that's about. Um, they'll, they'll work it out, right? That's what, that's what people who love each other do. That's what mommy and daddies do. And I come home to a half empty house with no father. Um, now, I honestly don't remember what happened after, it was just a whole bunch of confusion and I felt lost. And shortly after, I am in Queens off of Linden Boulevard. Only Alex, I think, would know that because he's from New York too, but I like to paint a picture. And we are driving down the road after stopping at a local bodega, getting you know some, some food for the house. And you know, I'm just kind of sitting in the car seat and I'm looking outside, looking at the clouds, and then I happen to set my, my eyes like level, and I see my dad. He's just casually walking down the street, so I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, like, I see dad, stop the car, stop the car. And so she kind of has like a hesitant look on her face, and uh, she turns the corner, I get out of the car. I'm running down the street, just a little kid. I'm running into the pharmacy where he is, and. I'm literally just like bobbing people's legs and feet. Like, get out of my way, I just, I just saw my dad. And I'm searching aisle after aisle, I can't find him until I find him at the last aisle. And I say, dad, like, how, how are you? Like, where have you been? And he kind of looks at me like he's happy, but there's just something off. And he's like, wow, like, Jay, you've gotten so big. Like, how are you? And I'm just kind of sitting there like, well, well where have you been? And, and I'm asking all these questions and he's like, look, man, I'll, I'll call you, okay? I'll call you, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you. So just like you see in the, the clip where Will no longer addresses his dad as dad, he addresses him as Lou. You're just some guy. Um, at that point for me, he was just some guy. Uh, someone who used to be my dad, right? He used to be my dad. I used to call him father. We used to play games. He used to do things with me. Now he's just some guy that I see. 
And fast forward, I'm sitting in uh, a chair at a you know, therapist's office. Obviously, I didn't want to be there, so you know, you know the drill. And the stranger is asking me questions. And she's asking me questions, well, how do you feel? How do you feel that this happened to you? Like, what do you think? <laughs> and I didn't answer that way. Obviously, my mom would have spanked me right then and there. <laughs> um, but I was answering internally. And I was upset. And I was angry. And I was, I was frustrated. And I was hurt. And I was confused. And all I could ask myself was, well, why didn't my dad want me? What did... What did I do wrong? Literally, I just asked for some cereal, bro. Like, come on. And you, and you start blaming yourself. And then that blame turns to guilt. And then that guilt turns to more questions. Am I broken? Am I defective? What did I do? That was the first day that I put on a mask. That was the first day that I built up a wall. Before I turned to nine, I made myself two promises. The first promise was I will never, ever divorce my wife. I don't know what kind of nine-year-old makes that promise, but I made it. <laughs> and uh, that word will never, ever be mentioned in the household if whenever I do meet that person, um, we'll, we'll make it thick and thin, and we will, we will trust God. We will trust God through it all. And my parents didn't have God at that point in time. The second promise was, like you just saw in the clip as well, and a lot of young men who have been through this growing up in a single-parent home, and especially their dad is the one who left, you always say what Will just said, like, I will never be him. I will never be him. In fact, I will be better than he was. I will be the best dad you will ever see. I will be at his game. I will be at my kids' games. If my daughter wants to do whatever, dance, I'll be there. I'll leave my, my work early. I will always be there. I will never let them down. And I said that with pride in my chest. And remember, I was only nine. And that was the second time I put on a mask. That was the second time that I put pride on. Cue the photos, please. So there is my, my family. There's my mom on the left. And there, there I am, fashionably dressed with the high socks and sandals. That is absolutely a no-no now, so please don't do that. <laughs> um, and there's my dad, and my dad again. And there I am. I have no idea what I'm wearing, but I'm rocking it really well. <laughs> Dawson and Sheldon, you take notes, okay? <laughs> um, but losing my mom was, was something different. Um, yeah, this is hard. Anyone who has ever had the opportunity to know my mom, maybe just a few of you, knew that she was a treasure. 
and she had a lot of love to give to people. She was the type of person where if you just met her for that first time, she would literally make you feel like family. That's, that's who she was. And uh, I miss her. I miss her, her hugs, her embrace. I miss her words of encouragement. Um, but when I, when I lost her, I lost everything. She was my best friend. And uh, I was broken, and I thought I was broken beyond repair. So mind you, when I was just a little kid, I was putting up all those masks, like I mentioned before. I had way more masks by that time. And so when she passed, I, I was done. I checked out. I checked out of some of my friendships. I checked out on some of my relationships. Even some of the people closest to me at the time really didn't know. And uh, yeah, I got into a lot of bad cycles at that point in my life because all I saw was, was darkness everywhere around me and I was lost and I was confused. And I kind of knew God, but sometimes when we grow up in like a Christian type household, we tend to rely on our parents' faith sometimes. And uh, that was what I did. So I didn't really know God. And I got into a lot of bad cycles, got a lot of toxic relationships, and I was doing everything and, and anything I could to, to numb my pain. And then my dad. Now, my dad, as you can see, was a very classic man. He loved his records, he loved his music. Um, he loved Jeopardy, he loved his ginger ale, he loved his Wall Street articles, that's really all I remember. Um, and that story leads into what we are going to talk about today. So Alex, a friend of mine who's here with me, thank you for being here, my man. Um, he has a father in Bronx, in the Bronx. And it's been some time since he had seen his dad as well, and so we had the idea of just going back to New York. And I was like, look, I have no idea where my dad is. I have no idea if he remarried. I have no idea if he is even alive. And he said, don't worry, bro, I got you. Let's just go, so we go. And long story short, I'm seeing this man now who is much older, and he's seeing me for the first time, and I'm much older. And you know how men communicate sometimes? You don't even say anything. We just like, mm-hmm, 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 okay. A whole lot of acknowledgments, not a lot of things happening at the moment. So we walk upstairs and he, you know, we sit down on the couch and he's just asking, well, what have you been up to? It's, it's, it's great to see, wow, you've, you've grown into a young man, wow. And obviously I have all these questions, but we are limited on time. And so before I leave, he drops the ball, which some of you know that I found out that I had a sister in Canada, a whole family that I didn't even know about for most of my life. And so that was a bomb. And so I, I went back to North Carolina with that bomb and I had, to, I had to figure that out. But it was a blessing because I had an opportunity to talk to her before I leave, before I left. Um, here's the thing. Masks are incredibly difficult sometimes to, to catch because given enough time, we hide it so well. 
a lot of people who know me know that I am very well put together. I am in shape. I am confident. I am who I need to be for the present moment. I am charismatic. Can we go to the next slide, please, by the way? Thank you. Um, and I hid a lot of that um, from the people that I love the most. So I was confident, charismatic. I was a people pleaser. I said yes all the time. I was the life of the party for, from certain people. But in reality, I was broken. In reality, I was feeling alone. In reality, I was empty. In reality, I was dealing with depression and a whole bunch of anxiety. And I was wrestling with so many addictions um, since I was a kid. And I was again chasing empty relationship. I was caught in my cycle all over again, all over again. A lot of people struggle with depression. And a lot of people struggle with, with these things that we have um, here today that are listed. We are only capable of giving the love that we have ourselves. And I have to thank Mrs. Argetta for this. Because <laughs> she gave me this download about a week ago, right before I had to write my sermon. And so there are people who have big tanks of love to give. And maybe you know some. Reese is one, Madison is one. When they step into the room, they change the entire environment. Those are the type of people that you want in your life, right? And they give so much and it, it seems endless. It seems endless, but what about the people who have very little love to give? What about people who have small tanks of love and they can't give a whole lot? My dad was one who could not give a whole lot and I'm sure that he gave as much love as he possibly could, even if it looked very minimal in my eyes. Has anyone ever been through that before? Anyone? Yeah. Sometimes we look at our parents Sometimes we look at our friends and sometimes we look at our relationships and we try to get what we need from them. And we never quite find it, do we? We really don't quite find it. And we make these decisions based on insecurity. We make these decisions based off of fear and, and doubt and, and trauma. And trauma is another thing. Because even if you've never experienced a loss of a loved one, perhaps you've experienced trauma. And trauma is just as deadly. And there's multiple forms of trauma. For example, if you've ever have been in an abusive relationship, if you've ever been in a family who abused you, that takes a lot from you. And there's different forms. There's mental abuse, there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And I have to be honest, I, I really didn't. My, my sermon at first was really simple. And then God gave me this, and I'm like, I can't do that. I can't. I can barely keep myself together right now, I can't. And, uh, but if we don't talk about this in the church, then what is the point of it all? 
Because so many people walk in here with smiling faces and you have no idea what they're going through. Um, what choices have you made? Because somebody hurt you. Because someone took advantage of you. And you had no idea what to do. You had no idea who to talk to. What choices did you make because of that? And how, has that, how far has that led you down a path? Your value doesn't lessen because you experienced those things. In God's eyes, it does not. And he loves you with a jealous love. He loves you with a jealous love. We are not meant to be broken forever. We are not meant to be stuck in a place. When my parents got divorced, I turned to porn. At seven, that stinks, because you don't know anything about that. And the crazy thing is, we're in 2021, and people are finding it earlier than seven years old. And that's a struggle, because many people do not know the damage that it does when you get older. No idea what it does when you go through life and you start viewing women, God's daughters, as objects. It's hard. Your whole mind gets twisted and convoluted. When I moved here, one of the first years that I moved to North Carolina, I, it was a struggle to make friends for a little bit. A bit of a culture shock. Um, and my mom was like, look, you need to make friends. I was playing tennis at the time. I was getting pretty good at it. And I was like, look, I don't want to play tennis. I, I only did that because my friends were back home and I'm not home, so I don't know what to do. She's like, well, I'm just gonna sign you up for, for basketball. It's like, cool. The last day of that camp, and I was 11, I was almost molested by my basketball coach. And did I tell my mom? No. Because remember, I had pride, and I had a whole bunch of walls stacked up. And I wasn't even sure if I could. Like, my mom would probably have killed that dude. She would have. I don't know why I just said that. She would have. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's something that I pushed down deep in me. And I forgot about it until God brought it up back into my life because I had to heal. And so I want to show you a scripture. It's 1 Peter 2.9. Can we show that? while that's getting figured out. First um, Peter 2.9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, you are a holy nation, and you are God's very own possession. You belong to him. Even if you don't realize that or not, you belong to him. And I think a lot of people need to know that, because if you knew that, 
then you would know where your worth comes from. So this brings me to a love story, a very dramatic one. Hosea and Gomer. Uh, this was also not a part of my plan. But God has a tendency to squash your plan <laughs> and insert a better one. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He really does. And so we're going to go over Hosea and Gomer and we're going to talk about the first three chapters which kind of covers the entire story of, of Hosea and Gomer. If you, if you aren't familiar with, with this story, um, it takes place in the Old Testament. And just a quick backstory: They are living in a time where there is spiritual and moral decay. So Israel is considered God's chosen people. And God's chosen people has turned their backs on him completely. They are worshiping other idols, completely corrupted. Um, it sounds kind of familiar, yeah? And so we focus our story on Hosea. Now, Hosea was a man of God, and he obviously must have had a ministry. And God speaks to Hosea and says, Hosea, I'm going to be Hosea for a second. <laughs> and he says, yes, yes, Lord. You see that woman over there? Which one? Show me. Okay. I want you to marry this woman. All right. No doubt. She attractive? Absolutely. Yes. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Let's do it. By the way, she is a promiscuous woman. She's an adulteress. She does not have any boundaries with other men. Now, if I was Hosea, I would have said exit stage left there's no way <laughs> um, but this is the point of the story because this is how God wins his people back who have gone astray so Gomer is a woman who is a lot like a lot of women and men today who have been affected by today's society so, again, there's a lot of moral decay of, of her time. And, and God is wanting to use this situation between Hosea and Gomer um, to showcase a lesson because he wants his people back and he doesn't want to see his people worshiping other things. And he is a jealous God. And when I say that, it's not a bad thing. It means he just loves you so much. He does not want you to stray away from him because he has the absolute best for you. So we start in Hosea chapter 2, verses 5. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Verse 6 as well. 
Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes, and I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. Has God ever had to wall you in from something? Am I the only one? Has he ever had to pull you in from something that you were heading towards? Maybe it was something or someone attractive, and God had to nip that in the butt before it ever happened. Or maybe you already made that choice, and now God has to figure out a plan to win you back. I've been walled in. And one of the things about being walled in is that he will often expose, he will expose your weaknesses, he will expose your hurts, he will expose your pain just so that you can move forward. And so here God places a literal hedge, a figurative hedge or a wall around Gomer to prevent and to stop her from feeling the emptiness inside of her. And so in Hosea 8, she is not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, who gave her the, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold with which they used for, is it Baal? Baal just means idol worship. Has God ever blessed you with something and you didn't acknowledge him for it? Have you ever, has he ever blessed you and you didn't thank him? You just thank you. Not thank you, but just take it and run. And it's easy sometimes. It's easy, especially if you've been struggling, right? And he blesses you and he gives you something and he blesses you and gives you something and he blesses and he gives you something and he blesses and he gives you something. It's easy to get caught up in the blessings. It's, it's easy to get caught up in the giving. And we often turn those blessings into idols. Because, God, this is great. I, this is awesome. I want more. And the more he gives and the more we take. So, in Hosea 14 through 15, he says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day that she came up out of Egypt. How many had moms who, when you got into some serious trouble, and I mean big trouble, that they would say, come here, like right now? Or some would say, child, I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. I've heard that multiple times in my life. <laughs> and when you hear it from a West Indian mom, you were scared for your life. And so oftentimes, I would have to go sit in the corner and just sit and think about everything that I just did. Um, and just like a father, God gives 
and he takes. We already just talked about he loves the giving part, right? We love the giving part. We love to receive. That feels good all the time. And he's good when he gives. What about when he takes? What about when he allows someone you love to be taken? And it's, it's hard, but he's still good, and he is still on the throne. And there are times where he takes something maybe you are unaware that it could lead you astray. And it's hard to figure that out when you're in the process of, of that thing. It's really hard because you're so mesmerized by it. So God has, he has blessed me a lot. I've struggled a lot, but he's also blessed me a lot. But I think that's important because without the struggle, there would be no success, there would be no understanding, there would be no wisdom. And you need that. I have failed many times than I care to admit. <laughs> and 2016, I started my business which is what I do now. And business was good. Like for just starting, business was good. And you know what happens when things happen too fast, too soon? You get cocky. And when you start to get cocky, you start making a whole bunch of dumb decisions and a whole bunch of uncalculated risks. So, Mind you, I've not really healed a lot from the loss of both parents, still dealing with depression, still wrestling with addiction, still chasing empty relationships. And so you know what? Things are going good. And so I want to be the captain of my own ship. I want to do the things that I want to do. And no one is going to tell me any different. I was at the top of the world at that point. And so you know when, you know God is so good, right? So he, what takes you years to accomplish, God will do in a moment's time, in months. And this is what happened here. So me, I'm completely full of pride at this point. And I was like, you know what? I have a, I have a sister I've never met. I think it's time that I go and visit her. You know, I didn't want to be in North Carolina. There's so much pain, so much memories. I'd, I'd rather not go down there, go down that path. I want something new. So I waited for my lease to end. I stayed with some family for a little bit to prepare. Moved my stuff into storage. And then for a while, I was just traveling back and forth, doing my own thing, living it up with my family, my new family in New York, uh, in Montreal, and coming back to stay with my family for a little bit. And I did, it, I did that about a couple of times, and it, and it felt really good, really good. And as I'm coming back home, I've already made plans already to go back, and, and all of a sudden, jobs start getting delayed, and cancellation after cancellation or pushback after pushback and I'm like, all right. All the jobs I had booked 
no idea what's going on, but that's okay. So, checking the bank account. Money's looking pretty slim there, Slick. What are you going to do? <laughs> and, you know, the thing about pride is it will really puff you up as, as, as high as you want to go. And one of my strengths that God gave me was I, I was the idea man. I was the problem solver. If you needed help, I got you. No questions asked. I could walk into any meeting. I could pitch something, and I'd not lock that business, that job in. But that stuff didn't work anymore. Everything I was doing, any new plan I was coming up with, just scheming and scheming, trying to survive at that point, it wasn't working. I was stuck, and I was broke. And later did I realize that I was just like Gomer. God had to wall me in for a time. He had to confine me to a space. He had to cut me off at the legs so I could not move. And it was killing me because I could not do the things that I wanted to do. I would have literally destroyed my life if God did not intervene. And sometimes he intervenes on, through our mistakes. And then it hit me. The very thing that God placed in my possession, I took advantage of. He gives all of us multiple gifts and multiple talents. Whether you have one gift or one talent or multiple gifts or multiple talents, it doesn't matter. He's given it to you, so cherish it and hone it and build the kingdom of God with it. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was treating clients and customers like transactions I didn't even realize I was doing it until it was at the end I was just really excited I was really excited about the business growing you know I thought I lost my business I went back to working nine to fives I thought I would never get a chance to get my job back there was a time when I was working at UPS for 10 months. If you've been at UPS or if you know anyone who has worked at UPS, it is a, it is a challenging job, but it does teach you some character. Lifting a whole bunch of boxes doesn't sound you know, too bad. But if you've ever worked there, if you know anybody who's ever worked there, you know it's a kind of a dark place and you, you don't see God there a lot. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life because I knew what I had done and I couldn't figure out how to get back to where I was. And I remember it was just extremely hot. And when you're unloading trucks in the summer in North Carolina, it is dry and it is humid. And those trucks get to over 100 degrees, even past 110. And you have to unload four trucks and you have just a little bit of time to do it. I remember I broke down in one of those trucks. I had to close the back loading door so no one would find me. And I literally cried out to God. I know I messed up. And I feel stupid because here I am and you gave me something and I took full advantage of it. And I felt like no amount of sorry could ever get me back on my feet. And it didn't stop there. I worked at another job. I thought that second chance would never come. 
And so we go to Hosea 3, chapter 1, or chapter 1, verses 3. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again. Though right now she is loved by another man and she is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they don't even worship me, they worship other gods still. So by this point, Gomer has sold herself into slavery, literally. She's in the possession of another man. And she has hit rock bottom. Anyone here who has ever hit rock bottom before? Yeah, yeah. And I think when we think about rock bottom, it, we always jump to the financial aspect, like we, we just lost everything. And that's natural. But there is mental rock bottom, depression, and depression is real. It's not a joke. People wrestle with it every day. I do. It, it literally feels like you can't get out of bed in the morning sometimes. It feels like someone jacked the volume all the way up and broke the remote. That's what it feels like. And it's hard for a lot of people. There is emotional rock bottom. There's physical rock bottom. There's multiple versions of rock bottom and it looks differently for other people. So in verse two, so I bought her back for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man and I will behave the same way towards you. Now this part right here is pretty special because God is saying right now, you see this? This is you and I. We need to take some time alone together because you've gone so far off the rails. We need to spend time. So yeah, all these plans that you've got, all these things that you wanted to do, nah, squash all of that. You are mine. And I'm going to remind you that you are mine, even if it takes years. That's the kind of love that I need. How about you guys? So in this season of confinement and, and, and disability, I learned two things. One, that God still blesses you even when you mess up royally. He still blesses you. He still loves you. That's grace that we do not deserve. And Matthew 23, 12 says, all who exalt themselves will be humbled and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Sometimes we have to get really low to figure some things out. If God did not humble me, I would have never started to see certain things like other people struggling. Like there's a need in the community that people need God, that people don't even know what real love is. That's what God showed me. And God will literally put you through seasons of hardship to remove certain things and certain aspects from your life. For example, maybe an old way of thinking, and as a content creator, 
I struggle with this. You're posting your work on Instagram and you're scrolling and you're scrolling. You're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else. Well, this person is doing really, really good for himself. Well, this person on the left is doing really good for, for her. How come I can't run at the same pace? Is there something wrong with me? What, what do I have to do? And then you are so caught up in what's happening for everybody else, you forget that God is still blessing you. And that causes you to trip and it causes you to stumble and it causes you to completely distrust God. And how God sees you is much different than what the world sees and what the world values versus what God values in you. The world will take everything from you and not care and go to the next person. God, on the other hand, will deposit everything he has into you and you will be sustained and you will be fulfilled. So those cracks and those leaks and those crevices that a lot of us are very afraid to be open about to a lot of people, he'll, he'll fill those gaps and he'll fill those cracks. You know, God placed a lot of wonderful people in my life during this time and uh, I want to acknowledge them. So the Beatties and the Sandors are here and they're like family to me. Um, and they taught me a lot. If it wasn't for them, I guarantee you I wouldn't be here. And, and sometimes God knows when you were about to trip up and make a bad mistake that he will provide for you regardless. And they were my provision. They taught me that love is beyond blood. They showed me what it was like to be open for the first time in my late 20s, I got to see what a healthy family dynamic looks like for the first time. So even though I lacked that as a child, God still gave that to me when I was still a man. And I owe him everything for that. And they taught me one more thing. They taught me that God would never leave me or forsake me. And that was hard to believe because again, I am struggling with pride. So I'm thinking there's no way there's no way that this God could ever love me. All this pride that I have, all this stuff that I've done, there's no way. This distrust, there's no way. But it was true. And he saved my life. And I, I, owe, I owe you guys everything. And I also owe the Argettas because they have opened up their homes to me. and their hearts and the times where I was struggling with depression, the times that I was struggling in the darkness, even when I would show up every weekend they would pour nothing but love into me and we need that here we need that here and I think we forget that sometimes so we need to break out of those kind of cycles and I know COVID we need to figure out something together because we really need each other you have no idea what somebody else is going through right now and you get really good at concealing it. 
Hey, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How was your day? Or how was your week? It was pretty sweet. Meanwhile, I'm broke. Meanwhile, I am thinking about suicide. Meanwhile, I literally could not get out of bed this morning, and I have not eaten. This is real life. Three promises that our Father gives to us. I want to share you all three. Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. His word cannot return void. If you know what void means, it means empty, formless. Whatever he says to you personally, whatever he promised to you, he will deliver in full measure. He goes before you to make sure the path is clear. And even if you stumble, even if you trip, and you find yourself in a weird situation, he still has you. He, he is beside you on both sides. In Isaiah 30, he says, your eyes will see him, and your ears will hear him, saying, look to the left, look to the right. This is the way, walk in it. And he is behind you, and the behind is very important because the behind part is what we are most afraid about. It is the place where we are most vulnerable. I can't look back. And that's the place that we protect the most. And because God has sacrificed his son, we no longer have to worry about that. Shame and guilt, you kick that to the curb. But a lot of us don't know that. And for those who do, sometimes we do still struggle with that. You wake up in the morning and you put on that baggage, you put on that weight, and we hoist it. And we carry it all day with us. Walking through the trenches, that gets tired really quick. And you wonder why people are tired and depleted and they have nothing else to give. But God, he provides, he provides. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As you, as you grow and you start to trust in who God is, you will literally have peace in the most complex and complicated situations. Situations that don't even make sense to somebody else. When people count you out, there will be peace. Where people do not believe in you, there will be peace. When people leave you, there will be peace. When your own flesh and blood do not even acknowledge your very existence, there will be peace. When you are about to lose your mind, there will be peace. And I know some people have lost a lot during COVID, financially speaking. You will have peace. 
my last one. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus, which is infinite. There is no end. It does not run out. It keeps on going. He will sustain you in whatever season that you are in right now. If you are struggling, it feels like you're just in a desert walking aimlessly. He will provide streams for you. And his portions, no matter how small, no matter how big, will be enough to get you through. He will qualify you when no one calls on you. And he is everything in your addiction. And those who are battling addiction, whether you're here or on live stream, I know how that feels. You do it enough times, it, it feels like you're stacking up against a mountain, giants in your life. Like, God, I can't. I just can't today. I'm already struggling. And I've been dealing with this thing since I was a kid. It's not my fault. Let God take care of that shame. Let, let him take care of that guilt. He can take that extra weight because I can't. There's times where I literally had to surrender and submit. And it's just like the Israelites who prayed for freedom and they got freedom. And even when they had freedom, they complained and they groveled. I'd rather go back to bondage because it was better there. That is the world that we currently live in. Some people are comfortable where they are. Some people are comfortable struggling because they don't know anything else. And we need to pray and pray and pray because cycles are real. And only the love of Christ, only the love of God can separate you from those cycles. How many people here have family who are just constantly in cycles? How many people here are the ones to break those cycles? Whether you've been the first to go to school and graduate, first to have kids who have some sense. <laughs> it's real. So as I close, I want to ask this one question. What does... What does the love of Christ mean to you? What does the love of God mean to you? What is it worth? Because that answer will dictate and define every move, every choice and decision you make here today. I want to leave you with two things. For those who grew up without a dad or a mom, Remember that God is a father to the fatherless. If you've ever lost a spouse, he is, he is a father to the widow. He is everything that you need and want and more. And the thing is that he's, he's been there. He will never force you. He will never push anything on you to make that decision for yourself but he's there and he loves you more than your mom and your dad he loves you more than 
your fiance, your, your wife, your husband. Remember, he's a, he's a jealous God. No one, no one loves you more than he does. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to God has become a new person. The old life is literally done, extinguished. And a new life has come. And he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Let's pray. Father God, only you know who needed to hear this today. But you never abandoned me. You never, you never let me trip up today, God. And I, I literally walked in here nervous with my stomach in my throat. God, and you delivered. And the very same thing that you did for me, I know that you will do for every person in here today. Whatever that they are struggling with, God. I know that you are with them. All they have to do is acknowledge you. Acknowledge your love, acknowledge your presence, your power, your majesty, your sovereignty, God. And you will be with them. And you will lead them beside the still waters, God. And so we thank you, whoever you are. Live stream here, both. Whether you watch this weeks, months from now. Know that God has got you. Know that God has got you and a seed has been planted today regardless and the enemy has lost. God, we are yours, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.